Please be advised that the following podcast is hardly intended for anyone under the age of 18 years old and it is not safe for work. It includes graphic depictions of sexual liaisons, strong language and mature themes. You've been warned, now enjoy. Good afternoon, it's time for tea. I'm Lady Letizia. And I am Lady Blossom Bosom. We are sisters and we gather together to read excerpts from the underground Victorian erotic journal known as The Pearl. Now when we say erotic, we mean... Quite erotic. Quite erotic. Be ready to be scandalized and titillated. So grab your smelling salts, unlace your bodice, and get ready for some tea and vulgarity. I'd like to take a moment to tell you about our magazine, which is our current source of reading material. It is called The Pearl, and it was published in Victorian-era England from 1879 through... 1880, along with two Christmas supplements. The Pearl's full name was The Pearl, Colin, a magazine of facetious and voluptuous reading. It was published monthly in London by William Lazenby, but the authorship is primarily anonymous. It includes serial novels each month, as well as erotic poetry and pieces of parody. It was ultimately shut down by the authorities for violating the standards of obscenity. What are you sitting on tonight, Lady Blossom Bosom? My chair. Your chair? What does your chair do, Lady Blossom Bosom? It massages. It massages? Does it indeed now? Sister. Yes. I'm very pleased for you to be on your massage chair and I would ask anyone joining us for tea to note that if you hear strange buzzing in the back, it is my sister's massage massage chair. Mmm. 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 Sister, I, I think we ought to, today I, I, today I want us to continue reading about Lady Pokingham. Yes. Yes, and then a song, and then we are all going to learn a little bit about the 19th century divorce court in England. We'll learn about the divorce court first, and then we'll sing our song. All right. Then. So, yeah, you read everything in yellow, and I read everything not in yellow. This is about um, my friend Alice. Um, my friend, well, it's it's Lady Pokingham's friend Alice and Lady Pokingham. They began a, uh, something called the Pythian Circle, which was a society dedicated to vice entirely. Yes, and they would get together and have lots and lots of sex. Christmas came, and with it arrived several visitors, all young ladies and gentlemen of about our own ages, to spend the festive season with us. Our entire party consisted of five gentlemen and seven ladies. New Year's Day was our friend Frederick's birthday, and we determined to hold a regular orgy that night in our corridor with Lucy's help. Under the excuse of making them drink his health, plied the servants first with beer, then with wine, and afterwards with just a glass of brandy for a nightcap, so that we were assured they would also be sound enough. 
In fact, two or three never got to bed at all. So we're having a, a drunken orgy with servants lying all over the floor. Yes. I think is what's happening. Quite passed out. Yes. Frederick was master of the ceremonies, with Alice as a most useful assistant. As I said before, all were flushed with excitement and ready for anything. They were of the most aristocratic families, and our blue blood seemed fairly to course through our veins. When we had all assembled in Alice's apartment, they found her attired in a simple, long chemise de nuit. Ladies and gentlemen, she said, I believe we are all agreed for an out-and-out romp. You see my costume, how do you like it? And a most wicked smile. I hope it does not display the contour of my figure too much. Drawing it tightly about her so as to show the outline of her beautiful buttocks and also displaying a pair of ravishing legs in pink silk stockings. Bravo, 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 Alice. We will follow your example, burst from our side. Each one skipped back to his or her room and reappeared in Mufti. I have no idea what Mufti is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I suppose it's some sort of clothing. But the tails of the young gentleman's shirts caused a deal of laughter by being too short. The ladies and gentlemen made a rush. It was a most exciting scene, tearing at each other's clothes, and this first skirmish only ended when the whole company were reduced to a complete state of nudity. All mm. were in blushes as they gazed upon the variety of male and female charms exposed to view. Mm-hmm. Frederick, advancing with a bumper of champagne, we've all heard of Nuda Veritas. Now let's drink to her health. The first time we are in her company, I'm sure she will be most charming and agreeable. I believe nuda veritas means in uh, nakedness truth. Yes. All joined in this toast, the wine inflamed our desires. There was not a male organ present, but what was in a glorious state of erection. Alice said, Look, ladies, what a lot of impudent fellows. They need not think we are going to surrender anyhow to their youthful lust. They shall all be blindfolded, and then we will arm ourselves with good birch rods. <laughs> then let it be everyone for themselves, and Cupid's dart for us all. Here, here, responded on all sides, and handkerchiefs were soon tied over their eyes, and seven good birch rods handed round to the ladies. Now, gentlemen, catch who you can, laughed Alice, slashing right and left into the manly group, her example being followed by the other girls. The room was quite large enough, and a fine romp ensued. The girls were as lithe and active as young young fawns, and for a long time sorely tried the patience of their male friends, who tumbled about in all directions, only to get an extra dose of birch on their plump posteriors before they could regain their feel. At last the Honourable, Miss Vavasor, stumbled over a prostate gentleman who happened to be the young Marquis of Bucktown, who grasped her firmly round the waist and clung to his prize as a shower of cuts greeted the withering pair. Hold, hold, cried Alice, she's fairly caught and must admit to be offered as a victim on the altar of love. Lucy, and I believe Lucy is the the servant from our last reading. Lucy quickly wheeled a small, soft couch into the center of the room. The gentlemen pulled off their bandages and, all laughingly, assisted to place the pair in position. The lady underneath of a pillow, under her buttocks, and the young Marquis on his knees, fairly planted between her thighs. 
A more beautiful couple it would be impossible to conceive. He was a fine fellow with dark hair and eyes, whilst her brunette style of complexion was almost a counterpart of his. Their eyes were similar also, and his instrument, as well as her cunning, were finely ornamented with soft, curly black hair. With the skin drawn back, the fiery purple head of his cock looked like a large ruby. As by Frederick's suggestion, he presented it to her lessious-looking vermilion gap, the lips of which were just slightly open as she lay with her legs apart. <laughs> the touch seemed to electrify her. The blushing face turned to a still deeper crimson as the dart of love slowly entered. But feeling his steed fairly in contact with the throbbing matrix of the lovely girl beneath him, he at once plunged forward to the attack, pushing, shoving, and clasping her round the body with all his strength. She said, Go on, Nadia, boy, our example will soon fire the others to imitate us, heaving up her bottom as a challenge and pressing him fondly to her bosom. They ran a delightful course, which filled us all with voluptuous excitement, and as they died away in a mutual spend, someone put out the lights. All was laughing and confusion, gentlemen trying to catch a prize, kissing and sighing. I do not know if I have ever seen so many different words for genitalia. <laughs> we had, um, we had throbbing matrix, um, and, um, the dart of love, vermilion gap, uh, fiery purple head, um, da, 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 um, his instrument, steed. I think the throb throbbing matrix of the lovely girl, lovely lady. <laughs> I felt myself seized by a strong man. A hand gripped for my honey was to whisper in my ear, said, how delightful. It's you, dear little Beatrix. I can't make a mistake, as yours is the only hairless thing in the company. Ooh. Kiss me, dear. I'm bursting to be in your tight little affair. She shaves. <laughs> lips met lips in a luscious kiss. We found ourselves close to Alice's bed. My companion put me back on it, and taking my legs under his arms, was soon pushing his way up my longing honey. I nipped him as tightly as possible. He was in ecstasies and spent almost directly, but keeping his place, he put me, by his vigorous action, into a perfect frenzy of love. Spin seemed to follow spin till we had each of us done it six times. And the last time I so forgot myself as to fairly bite his shoulder in delight. At length he withdrew without telling his name. The room was still in darkness and love engagements were going on all around. I had two more partners after that, but only one go with each. I shall never forget that night as long as a breath remains in my body. Neither would I. <laughs> this orgy has been the means of establishing a kind of secret society amongst the circle of our friends. Anyone who gives a pressure of the hands asks, do you remember Fred's birthday? Is free to indulge in love with those who understand it. And I have since been present at many repetitions of that birthday fun. So you, you grab your friend's hand and you say, do you remember Fred's birthday? And you go off and do it in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. So next is Adultery's The Go. And this is a song from the Pearl. Um, and we need to find um, <laughs> melody tees. Now, are we going to do the other part first? The other part? Oh, yes. Well, we are. We are. We are. Um, but I, I'm going to explain because Adultery's The Way To Go. 
um, does require a little bit of knowledge of 19th century England. So you will see, sister. Uh, this was, it is called A Song Before the Time of the New Divorce Court. So I used our modern technology to look up what the new divorce court was in England. So if I had to ask you, sister, what do you think the situation was for men and women when it came to divorce in England in the Victorian era? What would you say as a general rule? I can't imagine there was much equality. I would say it was probably easier for a man to get a divorce than a woman. You're absolutely right. Um, as is true through much of history, it's always been easier for a man to get a divorce. So, um, divorce! Now I shall read my script, sister. <laughs> um, so we have to talk about the 1857 Divorce Act. Um, um, my sources here are from Gail L. Savage's article in the Journal of Social History, volume 16, number four, summer 1983. Um, divorce just because a marriage failed didn't exist in England prior to 1857. It was a how inconvenient. It was a long and involved process and it involved an ecclesiastical court, petitioning parliament, getting an annulment or a separation. They were also extremely expensive and you had to travel to London to get one. So you had to be very wealthy and very determined. Yes. Now the 1857 Divorce Act was supposed to be a progressive measure, but it really did nothing different. But it recognized only adultery as grounds for divorce. Now, a husband had only to prove simple adultery, whereas the wife had to prove adultery plus something such as cruelty or desertion. I see. Yeah, so he is fucking her and slapping me. All right. Right. Um, and this remained the basis of divorce in England until 1937. Um, finally, in 1923, wives and husbands were equal before the law regarding divorce. Um, and it finally became, in, in 1937, a new divorce act of finally let women maintain complete control over their own property. So if we got a divorce, we said, oh, my husband is, is breaking my nose every night and sleeping with 12 other women. And they say, oh, you finally get a divorce. You also lose all of your property. Uh, Right, yes. Um, there are a couple people who... So this song um, was before the new divorce court, uh, talking about how adultery was really the only way to go when it came to not being happy. I see. In, yes. Okay. Now, there are a couple of things that um, are mentioned in here as well. You'll hear a word called fur below, or for Americans, fur below, um, which does definitely sound like one thing in particular. Okay but it's really the fluffy ruffled border of a petticoat, but also definitely a double entendre. Yes, um, the House of Lords is mentioned, which you may know as the Upper House of Parliament, yes, something yes. Yes, something equivalent to our Senate. Um, and for a while you had to go to the House of Lords to get a divorce. You'll hear the Doctor's Commons. Um, the Doctor's Commons also plays into, there were these, um, Charles Dickens called it a cozy, dozy, old-fashioned, time-forgotten, sleepy-headed little family party. Mm. Um, the Doctor's Commons also involved getting a divorce, but they were elitist, nobody liked them, so people singing ribald songs oh. are talking about stuffy old lawyers. Right. Yes. Oh, and there, are, uh, there will be a part where we list several names, and these include Lady Barlow, who um, her husband wanted to pardon pirates and also had a relationship with a man. So we can understand, yes, we can understand why Lady Barlow probably wanted to sleep around. 
she was known of the cheating sort and the um some of the other characters listed are either from literature or had reputations as I see, yes. Do you have any other last questions for me after our academic lecture? I don't care. Okay. When we were boys, the world was good, but that is long ago. Now all the wisest folks are lewd, for adultery is the go. The go, go the so in spite of discovering that the lyrics to the song fit almost perfectly with an old <laughs> shape note tune called Northfield, um, which we know from no fault of our own, we're just going to chant this. Do you wish to start? Do you wish me to start? I'll start. When we were boys, the world was good, but that is long ago. Now all the wisest folks are lewd, for Daltrey's the go. The go, the go, the go. The go. Quite tired of leading virtuous lives. We're spotless as the snow among the chest. And poise wise, adultery's the go. The go, the go, the go. Adultery's the go. Long life then to the House of Lords. They know a thing or two. You see from all their grand awards that adultery's the go. The go, the go, the go. Adultery's the go. And Lady Barlow, Mrs. Hare. Case, Clark, and Boulders, Teed, Ashton, James, and all declare adulteries the go. The go, the go, the go, the go, adulteries the go. Some husbands still are jealous and guard the fur below, but spite such prudish fellows, adulteries the go. The go, the go, the go, adulteries the go. Horned cuckolds were mad raging bulls a century ago. Now they're tame oxen, silly fools, for adulteries the go. The go, the go, the go, adulteries the go. Then hey, for doctors' commons, with horned beasts a row, for man's delight and woman's adulteries the go. Then hey, for doctors' commons, with horned beasts below. Tea and Vulgarity is produced by me, Tally Gale. My guest today was my sister, Ian Gale. If you're interested in reading The Pearl for yourself, you can easily find it online. And of course, by this point, it is absolutely public domain. All of the music we've used is credited below. Thank you for joining me. And until next time, take your tea with a dose of vulgarity. Mm -hmm.